Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. So, so we've been busy with this sermon series, and, and I don't know if, if you guys remember, we've been looking at stories that Jesus shared with his disciples, and not just shared, but what happened with them in that three years with him on earth, where he literally had to fix their focus or shift their focus back to, to him or to the kingdom. And how we are just human. Come on, we're just human. We make mistakes. Our focus gets stolen with a lot of stuff and distractions around us. So we constantly have to fix our focus. Like Kieran said, we listened to Robert on Friday, and he said, in summer, the, the kings went out to war. And with a man, we have to war in the spirit every day for our families, for us, for our purity, for our manliness and for who we are and and it's not just everything is war but we have a warlike attitude that says i'm fighting for everything that god has promised me as a man but i need to step up i need to step up to the plate so so we use the illustration of an eagle um and i love that i mean every time uh, as we've been starting to use this illustration of an eagle every time i see an eagle god reminds me of the focus of an eagle the eagle has got specific eyes and, well, very incredible created eyes that the eyes adjust, that the, um, the muscles in the eyes adjust as the eagle flies. So you can see its prey three and a half kilometers away and it's incredible. But the most amazing thing about the eagle, and that's why we use it as, as an illustration, is because when an eagle attack, it's got the ability to maintain focus on its prey all the time till he captured the prey. And, and God spoke to me regarding that and said, I want you to keep your focus and maintain your focus on me to such a degree that you never stumble, that you never go off, off, off road, that your emotions never throw you into disarray, but that your focus is kept on me, like Peter had to keep his focus on Jesus. So week one, we spoke about that. We spoke about the importance of keeping our focus. Remember that? We spoke about Peter walking on the water, taking his focus off Jesus, started to sink, and, and how we have to keep our focus. Week two, we spoke about the, the power of declarations and how when our focus is shifted, how we can bring back and fix our focus by making life declarations. When the negative emotions come, when the things we struggle with come, how do we shift our focus back? By making life declarations, by declaring life over every situation, declaring the truth, taking the word and declaring it over our circumstances. We looked at how Jesus, in the desert, fasting for 40 days, made declarations in the toughest time of temptation. Jesus, not one of the disciples, Jesus. He was weak, and the enemy came at his weakest point, like he always does with us. And what did he do? He declared life. He declared the Scripture. Then week three, last week, we looked at what happens to our focus when we start to doubt. How many of you doubt? All of us doubt. Come on, when you start doubting about, do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? Oh my goodness, doubt is just overwhelming me. What do we do with this? Our core scripture for the series, we all know it so well by now. Hebrews 12, verse 2 and Amplified says, Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. Looking away from all that will distract us, focusing our eyes on Jesus who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Man, every Sunday when I read this and keep on reading this, I'm like, man, it just comes alive to me that we will be distracted in life. What will keep your focus? 
What will keep your focus on Jesus? And that's why we spoke about this. Now, last week's sermon, I gave the example of a whelk. How many of you remember that? A whelk is a small little sea creature. It makes its way onto an oyster, and then what it does is it bores a hole by, with a tentacle right through the, 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 the shell of the oyster, and then it sucks out every bit of life that oyster has. And then when you open oysters, you will see there's little small holes in the middle of the oyster. And that's all the whelks that come on them and start sucking them out. And if you go to your oyster farmer, he will tell you with every harvest of oysters, you will always find a few empty ones. Just empty. And how a whelk just came and just emptied that thing out. You see, my question for us is, how many whelks do we have in our lives that is sucking out the faith and the life that you have? How many? You see, we've got things in our lives that just come like things like fear and panic and trauma and death and passivity and sickness, pain in your body that, that is like a whelk sitting on you, sucking the faith out of you. You see, that is things that we need to put our finger on. Because if you miss this, you will be tired and emotionally drained. How all of us get there. And then you realize, but there's been a little whelk sucking the faith out of me. That's called fear. Now last week we spoke about the whelk called doubt. But today I want to speak about one of the biggest whelks and one of the, the, most, the, the things that, that actually empties you the quickest. And that is worry. If I ask you to put your hands up, it's like who was worried this week? All of, us, all of our hands were up. Because worry is one of those things that, that it, it sucks the faith out of you. You see, worry and fear goes hand in hand. They're brothers. They're twins. And they, they try to beat up faith. Because where there is faith, there cannot be worry and fear. But where there is worry and fear, guess what happens to your faith? There's a story of an airline passenger who was worried when bad weather delayed his plane. So he was walking up and down the airport, worried that, man, my plane is delayed for two hours. Look at the cloud, look at the lightning. And he was pacing up and down this airport. And during his walk, he came across this life insurance machine. I never knew you, you got those things. This life insurance machine that says, if you deposit $3, it can give you $100,000 insurance for your life on this flight. Put in your flight number and it gives you an insurance policy. And he thought, well, he looked out the window and he, thought, he saw the threatening clouds and the lightning and he thought of his family at home and, and for that price, it was foolish not to buy this insurance policy. So he took out the cover, coverage, took his $3 and thought, what a bargain, you know, it's a good investment. And uh, so then he looked for a place to eat and, and the airport now has all carried variety of eateries. So he settled on his favorite, which was Chinese. And it was a relaxing meal until he opened a fortune cookie and it read, your recent investment will pay big dividends. <laughs> and suddenly, guess what? Worry was back. Isn't it worry so easy to fall into? I mean, you can wake up every morning and you feel, oh, man, it's best day ever, and then something just happened and you worry. And you've got a stomach ache and you're in that whole thing. How worries... Worry gets you to a place where that whelk starts sucking the faith out of the life, or the life out of you. There's a famous quote that says, Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> Isn't that true? 
See, it gives you something to do, but it never gets you anywhere. It just messes up your emotions. It messes up your faith. And Jesus knew this about our lives. So today I want to look at um, a scripture out of Matthew where Jesus spoke to the disciples and all the people and he actually gave a sermon called the Beatitudes. And he started preaching to them, all, all the people around him on that mountain. But the main focus of that preach was this. He spoke about their needs. He spoke about their needs. If you go through all of these things, he spoke about, do you think about your need every day? So, in Matthew 5, 6, 7, he started teaching his disciples and all stood around. And, and in Matthew 6, verse 1 to 4, that first chapter, it's not up there, I'm just going to ref, um, refrain it. The first three, four chapters, he spoke about the following. He spoke about our need. And if you have a need, make sure that you give first. Isn't that amazing? He starts with this thing and he said, let me just fix your focus right here. Do you have a need? If you have a need, just, just give. And God will provide in your need. He just brings the sowing and reaping thing right into it. Said, you see, when you give, it shifts your focus from me to God. From me to the need of others. Isn't that amazing? You see, it's so amazing how Jesus, from the start of this Beatitudes and, and, and just uh, Matthew 6, and we're just going to look at Matthew 6 today, He shifted the focus away from the needs that they have in life. How many of us get pushed around by our needs on a daily basis? A lot of us. All of us. I'm hungry, so I, I need to do something. I'm worried, so I need to do, I need to do this. I'm hungry. I, need to, I, I, need, I want to look better, so I need to train. So all our needs pushes us around on a daily basis. Everybody of us. Why? Because our needs is usually the thing that creates the biggest worry in our lives. Think about your needs. Not just your needs, your wants. It creates worry constantly. My car is not fine. My car is broken. My car this. Well, guess what? My, it creates a worry in my life. So it's incredible. Then he goes over and he reaches um, verse 5 to 18, also in Matthew 6. The second thing he, he spoke, spoke about was prayer and fasting. So he starts out with the needs and said, give. Then he goes over to pray and fast. So let me, let me help you. Instead of thinking about all the needs that you have, let me tell you how to pray and then how to fast. See, he showed us how to focus um, how our focus of prayer needs to change from, Lord, I want this, I need that, to, Father, may your kingdom come. Isn't that amazing? Then the third thing he looked at, he shifted the gears and then he started speaking about money. <laughs> All in chapter 6. He started, he spoke about the needs, give. Then he spoke about prayer, fasting. And then he shifted gears and said, let me just talk to you about money. Because money is the one thing that will give your needs to you. And he said, don't store up treasures in, in, on earth which, which, which will um, uh, gather moth and dust and rust. Don't do that. Rather, store up your heavenly treasures. Isn't that amazing? Then after this, Jesus spoke about all these things. He created this platform. Then he summarized and go and read tonight, go and read Matthew 6, and you'll see he starts out with his needs and giving, and then he goes over to prayer and fasting, and then he speaks about money, and then verse 22 or 25, well, let's read it together, 
from the New Living Translation, and I'll summarize it to you. So this is Jesus' summary after he spoke about all these things, and he said, that is why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life. It's a well-known scripture. Whether you have enough food, to, food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Powerful verse. And why worry about your clothing? Look at all the lilies of the field and how they grow. Don't, oh, sorry, they don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. It's quite a mouthful, isn't it? I mean, Jesus comes with this. And, and if you go and look at the Scriptures, verse 25 in the New King James and the NIV and all those um, original texts, he starts out with the word, therefore. Now, therefore, that word therefore means, I'm just going to give you the punchline quickly. I spoke about all these things, all the more, more important things concerning all your needs and all those things, but let me just give you a punchline and a summary, and that's what therefore means. He says, why worry? Can I do anything by just worrying? Can we change our lives with just worry? I mean, he throws this powerful one-line quotes into this last few scriptures. And as I said in the previous sermons, and uh, sermon one, two, three, I said, man, the last two years have been a challenging season for the globe, for the world, for every one of us. It's been a challenging time, and we're still going through a challenging time right now. All of us have been worrying, feeling weary of stress, or overwhelmed by that worst-case scenario thinking. Have you ever been there? When you see the things on news and then before you get yourself, you're in that worst-case scenario thinking. I'm doing the worst-case scenario. People speak about the petrol price and then suddenly you can see how you do 40 rand a liter. But we're not there yet. But we go into that thinking, changing the way we focus. See, it can, easily, it can be easy to feel like You've been carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders, especially in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a war raging in Europe. It's easy to, to put those things on your shoulders. It is. But we need to remind ourselves the following, and I do this often, that God's got this. He's got this. And I, I'll say this, I mean, some of you that knows me, I say this a lot, God's got this. It doesn't matter what you're facing, what you're doing, where you're going through right now. Our Father, our King, the Creator of heaven and earth, He has got this. That's exactly what Jesus was saying in a passage of the Scripture. He was not condemning us for worrying, 
He was just saying, hey, I just want to remind you that my father has got this. Don't worry. And so many times we read these things and we throw ourselves into condemnation that says, oh, I feel so bad that I'm worrying. Don't worry. Just shift your focus back to like, my father has got this. You see, Jesus is fixing our focus with the scripture. He's fixing our focus on the right things that says, Father, I've been focusing on so many things that brings worry and fear into my life. I need to shift my focus onto you. See, he's challenging our faith and reminding us that God knows what we need. Have you ever thought about that? That God knows exactly what you need? But sometimes we feel we need to remind him. And yes, we need to. We need to pray about it and we need to share our heart. And, but God knows exactly before we even knew we had a need. He knew it. He knew it. And he will sort it out. Like, I'm, I'm a father of two. I'm, I'm a daddy of two girls. And, and I love being a daddy for two girls. And when they have an issue, it's my heart desire to sort it out for them. I want to sort it out. Husbands, when your wife goes through stuff, we want to sort it out. Sometimes they just want to know it's going to be okay. Just want to, but we want to sort it out. Yeah. It's part of who we are. But you know, that's the same with a father. He loves us to a degree that we don't understand, but he wants to sort it out. It's his desire in our lives. So why worry? That's what Jesus said. Why worry when you have a dad who wants to sort you? He's got this. Come on, man. I mean, I see a coach doing a coaching session. Motivation's like, don't why worry. I've, I mean, we've got this. And then Jesus end of this passage with a wonderful verse that says, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. <laughs> he says, tomorrow will take care of itself. How many of us have dreamed about the good old days? Come on. Now, we, we think about two, three years back. We went to the movie without, what is a mask? I mean, we didn't know what mask is. The good old days. Huh? The good old days when we didn't even know what a mask is. When we were playing around in the street and it's so amazing. Man, come on. We always think, now more than ever, we think, man, I want to be in the good old days. You know, the good old 10 years ago when we were still playing in the streets. We went to the rugby stadium. There was 50,000 people. And I didn't even worry about, I'm going to inhale with someone exhales. and It's like the good old days. But do you realize when our focus is more on what is to come and more on the future, we miss the good old days, which is today. Because in two years from now, we're going to think back two years back, which is the good old days. Let me just be clear. You see, none of us have this thing down. We all worry. It is one of those things. Now what am I saying? I'm saying when we as believers worry about tomorrow, we will miss out on the beauty of today. I need to remind myself on that every day. So we get this major challenge in front of us and we think, oh, I'm going to do this, do this. And sometimes God is just busy with today. But we want to think two, three, four weeks ahead, five months ahead. Yes, it's good to plan. My wife's a planner. She's a good planner. Very good. I, love, I like to live in a day, being, sometimes being impulsive, which is also not good. <laughs> it is good, but it's not always good. I need someone in my life like that. 
See, it is a daily battle as we all fight a spiritual war against worry and fear. We need to realize that fear and worry wants to take you out, wants to take us out. And a fear and worry when it knows, the enemy knows when he gets the husband or the, 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 the owner of the business, get you to worry and fear about stuff that you can't control, he has you because he's going to suck you dry like a whelk. All the faith, all the life, all the energy. It's a daily fight. Someone once said, I know worry works because the most of the things I worry about never happens. <laughs> and and, and it's, it's funny, but it's true. Because all the things we worry about, most of them never happens. But most people think it is not going well or maybe, man, we are struggling with life because of their circumstances. But it is not true. Circumstances doesn't make things not go well. Yes, it is. Because I, I mean, let, me, let me tell you, let me take another angle. Circumstances in our lives, yes, play a role. But they can't keep us happy or unhappy. Do you know that? You see, the truth is that happiness is an inside job. No matter what the circumstances you face, you choose happiness every day. You choose life every day. Depending on what's happening in your life, we have a decision to make every morning when I wake up to say, it is a great day. You see, happiness is an inside job. And Jesus says in this passage, he says, why are you spending so much energy on things you cannot control? If you need to pay a bill and you can't, you can't control it. You can only trust God. That's it. And you trust a God who is incredible, supernatural, all-sufficient, and He can do anything you trust Him to do. Isn't that amazing? Now, I believe that God gives us grace for every day. Remember, His grace is sufficient for every day. He gives us grace for every day. Do you know that? But the truth is that we cannot think about tomorrow with today's grace. Because we don't have the grace for tomorrow until it gets to be tomorrow. <laughs> I don't want to mess you up. But see, sometimes we want to use today's grace for tomorrow when tomorrow will have its own grace. Just fix today. Just make sure you've in, embraced God's grace for today. Don't go to tomorrow. Don't go to next week. Embrace His grace for now. You see, so many people, including our friends and our family, if you look all over the world, they really go through some tough things at the moment. People are. You always stumble upon people who's facing tough things. And so many of us are afraid of suffering. Come on. I don't, just don't want to suffer, Jesus. But through suffering, it's pain. although suffering is painful, God always meets us there when we have the toughest moments of our lives. He meets you there. And guess what he does? He gives us strength in that moment. He wants to give you more than enough in that moment when you have the toughest of tough times. Whatever you, we, go, we go through, if we stay connected and focused on God, we will grow in ways that, that, that we have never seen. It will help us grow into the next season of our lives when we go, go through tough things. 
See, there's so many people that have, have become great because of their suffering. Um, I, I read an article that says seven of the ex-presidents of America grew up without fathers. They all went to war and they died. And it's, uh, but they grew up without fathers and it was severe tough for them growing up as young men. But most, all of them, 99% of those presidents says, I wouldn't become who I, who, I, who I was if it wasn't for the tough times that I had to grow in, up in. Because it catapulted me into greatness. I had to stand up and face the tough things. But it matured me and grew me into who I had to become. Sometimes we shove away from tough things when God wants to mature us in that tough things. So let me ask you all, all, all the all-important question this morning. Where are you going, Henny? What is the question? So how can we as Christians shift our focus away from moments of worry? Because now we all know, hey, we all worry, this is the truth. But how do I shift my focus in that moment when I'm actually worried? When I'm facing all this anxiety and all this fear? Now Jesus actually starts Matthew 6 with two answers, and he ends Matthew 6 with two answers. The first of Jesus' answers was this. Pray. Remember, he started out with foundation of prayer and fasting. Isn't that amazing? Look what Paul says. He knew the definition of this. He says, Philippians 4, 6, we all know this as well. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Paul, like Jesus, says the secret weapon against worry and fear and all those things is pray. But not just pray. Pray with thanksgiving. Sometimes we pray and we pray and we ask, and, but we forget to ask God, say, Lord, thank you for what you're about to do. And I mean, it's incredible what God does to our prayer life when we not just pray, but when we start thanking Him in advance. I pray for it. Say, Lord, you know, this is my need. This is what we want. Lord, we trust you for this. And then I go, Lord, we thank you for the breakthrough in that. Lord, we thank you for what you're already doing in my heart. Lord, I thank you that you shift my focus, that I can see you're already doing this. Thank you, Father. Thank you. You see, sometimes we pray and we forget to thank you. So many of us get stuck at just praying, which praying is good. We need to pray. But we stop there. Don't stop there. Thank God for the result. Thank God for the breakthrough. Listen to what David said. He said, Psalm 100, enter, the ga- enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. You want to enter the gates of goodness, of grace. It comes in with, thank you, Father, for your goodness. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Isn't that a beautiful psalm? See, when we enter a challenge with prayer and thanking God for His breakthrough, for, thank Him for His love, thank you for his, his comfort, you know what it does? It shifts our focus away from the maybe to the it is done. It is. When I pray and pray and pray, there's still a maybe. Maybe God will do something. But when I pray and I start thanking Him, you know, it just, when I thank Him, it, I'm already at that place of, it's done. Checked. And we need to make this a point in our lives to start thanking God and thank Him and thank Him, although you don't see it. Call those things, although you don't see it. 
Then Jesus, with the second verse, with the second one, is the last verse of Matthew 6. Matthew 6.33, he says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Man, this, this is a powerful scripture. I mean, this was a mic drop moment. Boom. Come on. I mean, he's speaking about all these needs. Pray, fast, money. This is what money is going to do. Don't gather all your treasures here, dude. And then he said, let me summarize this for you. And he ends it off with said, listen, man, first, above all else, firstly, 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 seek my kingdom. And then everything will be added unto you. Mic drop. You see, he said, I don't care what you do when things go tough. Firstly, make sure your priority is right. Maybe I should rephrase. He do care. <laughs> but he says, I know your stuff. Get your priority right. What is your priority? Your priority is not your needs. Your priority is to first seek me. Don't get your eyes off me, Peter. Now you just started walking on water. Don't look at the waves and the wind. Come on, Peter, look at me. Keep your focus. First seek the kingdom above all else. And that word all, you know what it means in the Greek? It means all. <laughs> it means everything. Above all else. Everything in your life, seek his kingdom. Seek his kingdom. Now we all know that when... We're bullied by worry in life. 99% of our focus is on what we have to do to make it work. <laughs> right? What am I going to do to make this thing work? 99% of our focus. But Jesus left the most important part for us till the end and says, above all else, make sure that your focus, your priority of your focus is on the kingdom and is my kingdom. So what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom of God? Some people think it's heaven. Some people think it's eternity. What is the kingdom of God? But Paul gives us an awesome definition in Romans 14. The scripture says in Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking. It's not what you eat or drink or the need you have. What? But, it, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what is the kingdom of God? It is not our needs or what we eat or drink or, or, what, or all the things that takes our worry. No, no, it's not. It is righteousness peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now that word righteousness in a context, in the Greek context, actually means right thinking. So what is the kingdom of God? It's not eating or drinking, but it is right thinking, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Two-thirds of the kingdom is emotional. Peace and joy. So if my right thinking and my focus gets offline, guess what's going to happen to my peace and my joy? That's why we need to get our focus aligned and fixed on Jesus so that our thinking is aligned with the Word, so that we make declarations of, of life and truth. And then suddenly our peace comes and the joy of the Lord comes. You see, Jesus says, for us to fix our focus in times of worry, we need to change our thinking to stay in peace and that will usher in the joy of the Holy Spirit into every situation and every emotion that you have. See, it's so important to think right. If Jesus says, fix your focus, make sure you first seek my kingdom. What is my kingdom? 
righteousness, peace, and joy. You see, in times we're facing now, it is super important for us to make sure to be careful with who we surround ourselves with. It, it can have an effect on your right thinking. It can have an effect on your peace. It can have an effect on your joy. It does. It doesn't mean you have to lock yourself in your home and look through a, a hole and say, who are you? I just want to make sure if I'm going to spend time with you. No, no. We are instruments of God's goodness. But we can choose who we spend time with and who speaks into our lives. There's a story of, of, a, of a man who wanted to jump off a bridge. So the police officer slowly moved towards the man on the bridge and he started talking to him. No, we all saw that movies. And he started speaking. It's like, man, your life is more worth than just jumping. And they said, what, why do you want to jump? And the guy started telling him about his life and about his wife that wants to leave him. And he, left his, he lost his business and all his partners in his business are against him. And he lost his wife, his family, his business and everything. And then after half an hour of telling this police officer what's everything wrong, both of them jumped. But see the impact that someone can have on you. It can change the way you think about life. What is your priority? See, if that officer came in with the priority of seeking God's kingdom, he would have came in with right thinking. And the, 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 the effect of the right thinking would have been peace and would have been joy and the Holy Spirit. See, as believers, we need to be instruments in people's lives. We need to make a difference wherever we go. We just need to make sure that who we spend time with gives life into our lives. Speak life into your life. When I go through the toughest of tough times, I want people to speak life into my life. Life into my thinking. Help me with my thinking. No, no, the way you're thinking there, Henny, is death. Let's shift over to the truth of the Word and let's give life into you. So I love spending time with people that have the kingdom, a kingdom perspective in their lives. That means spending time with people with a value to stay in a kingdom. I always tell my wife, say, don't go out of the kingdom. Don't go there. Don't lose your peace because then you're going to step out of the kingdom. Get your focus and your thinking right so that we stay in peace and we stay in the joy of the Holy Spirit because there you will flourish. There we flourish. I want to challenge us as I, as I end today that God has called us to have right thinking, to have peace, to have joy. He didn't call us to be sucked clean by a well called worry. He didn't call us to be, to be, in, to be imi imitators of the world, but to be imitators of Him. What did Jesus do when He was in the desert? He declared life. What did Peter do when he, when he saw Jesus? He walked on the water. We all think about, oh, he sank and he didn't make it. He failed the test. No, no. He actually walked on the water because he had his eyes fixed on the king. Remember John and our sermon last week? John, Baptist, John the Baptist started doubting in Jesus when he stood next to Jesus, when Holy Spirit was poured out on him, and God spoke audibly, and six months along the line, he started doubting in who Jesus is. Why? Because he was in jail and his right thinking was getting rotten. He lost his peace and his joy and then he called his disciples and said, go to Jesus, ask him if he is still the Christ. Come on, Pete, John. 
I want to encourage us as a church and you individual that go and see what makes you worry in life. And sometimes our spouses can help each other or friends can help. It's like, why are you worrying about that? And then you can say, well, I'm worrying about this and this and this because it's good to talk about it. But then to realign and refocus and fix your focus on the truth. That's what we need to do on a daily basis. It's like, why am I worried about all these things? Oh, because I've got nothing and I don't know where to go. That's okay, but God's still got this. How much is my faith for that? See, our faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the truth. It shifts our focus and our thinking into life away from death. Amen? Amen. Can we pray together this morning? Let's stand together. Did I speak to someone here today? <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness, Father. Thank you for who you are in every sphere, in every place of our lives, Father. You are there and you are true and you are good. You love us more than anything else, Father. You made us the pinnacle of your creation. Not to leave us in the midst of trouble or struggle, but to be next to us. You're like a daddy who tells us every day that I've got this. I've got this. Did you hear me say, I've got this. I'm going to sort you out. I'm going to make sure you make it. I'm going to make sure that your deepest desires are met. I'm going to make sure that, that you experience life as I've given to Jesus life. So Father, I pray for everyone here this morning. I pray that, that you usher us away from this place of fear, that we shake off this whelks, these things that, that sucks our faith dry, and we step up into a place where we say, Lord, you are the, 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 our conqueror. You are the great I am. We are more than conquerors because of you. And Father, we thank you that today that this weeks to come, this months to come, that we will have a testimony on our lips of God's goodness in our lives and who He is and that there will be testimony upon testimony from this pulpit that says, look at God's goodness. Look at how great God is. Look at what He has done. When I started speaking life over my worry, how God has changed it. And I want to prophesy over all of you here this morning that no matter what you are worrying about right now, that God is about to shift it and is about to bulldoze over those worries and flatten everything and stir your faith in that place. And a testimony will bring life onto your lips that will change lives around you of saying, look at how good my God is. Lord, thank you for helping us to usher in your kingdom. Usher in your life, your righteousness, your, your peace and your joy, Father. We need that in our lives. We need that place of right thinking and right standing in you. We need that place of peace, that weapon that we have. That, that we have. And Lord, we cannot go without the joy of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I pray that you come and refresh us today. Refresh our spirit. Refresh our mind. Refresh our thinking this morning with your joy. Father, we thank you for that this morning. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. 
For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.